Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. This is your host, Sabria Mills, and I am excited because we have the heavily anticipated episode coming, The Beauty of Falling in Love, with the magnificent Jas- Yasmeen Hamid on the line. Welcome, Yasmeen. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you so much for joining us here on this podcast to talk about one of our favorite subjects, but, you know, also just to kind of be vulnerable, open and authentic with us on this journey as we really try to discover ways which we can connect first with ourselves and connect with others. So again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And um, I'm just going to start with some intro. Um, I like to always give my own spin, uh, my own version of my guests, um, being that a lot of you guys definitely I have a very close relationship, we have history. Um, yes, I mean, I know we've known each other um, kind of since I've been in Atlanta, and I want to say about 10 years or so. Yeah, um, I would agree. Yeah, about 10 years. Okay. And... Um, yeah, and so ever since I've known Yasmin, I got to I've seen her in many forms as she has seen me <laughs> in my growth and my <laughs> process as well. So it's been definitely a mutual thing. Mm-hmm. But I've definitely seen um Yasmin evolve and grow and just recently, you know, I've just she's just been giving me and a whole lot of other people all <laughs> kinds of life. <laughs> so we're like, we need to just have a girl chat. We need to talk about this. And hopefully, inshallah, through your experience that you're going to share with us, um, we can learn a lot for ourselves. But Yasmin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little background of who you are. Okay, so I am uh, in a, a family of 10 siblings. Uh, my mm. parents were married up until I was 18 years old when my mother passed away. And uh, they were married for about 40 years. So I had a very good example of, you know, people, two people committed to them, to each other, two Muslims that are rooted in the community and rooted into supporting the community and offering an example of marriage. Mm-hmm. I'm from Oakland, California, and I live here in Atlanta. I've been here for about 15 years. Wow. And I, I have one son. He's in college um, in his yeah. second year. Yeah, and I'm a vegan, and I am an active lover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> wow, your son is your son is in college. I remember when he was just a little boy. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe elementary school. Yeah, like he was young. He turns twenty tomorrow. So imagine wow. that. Wow. Okay. Happy birthday to him. Happy early birthday. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> shout out. Shout out to my um, okay, so let's get into it. So I want to ask, you know, our you know classic question that we ask everybody that comes onto our show. What does it mean to be a dope? And when I say dope, I do mean excellent Muslim woman. What does that mean to you? All right. So for me, um, this particular question, my middle name is Isan. And when I thought of this question, I thought of this particular definition for me, being adult Muslim woman means living your truth and really living in a life based around Islam. And Islam in Islam is basically like you're living your life where you believe Allah can see you and you can see him. And that at the same time, you're functioning as if he is there all the time. You know, everything that you're doing, it's pleasing to him. It's 
it's in a way that you're working in a way to please God with everything that you do. Because imagine what you would do as a parent is with mm-hmm. his child, you would behave in a way that's different than you would if you don't think your parent is there, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. That's really um beautiful the way you connected that and um, I didn't know that your middle name was Isan that's really beautiful um but you know the way that you connected you know um sincerity you know authenticity I think a lot of the definitions we've been hearing is surrounding authenticity being true to yourself but that really is Isan that's an that's a religious principle that we have it's a spiritual principle and I love that you made that you know kind of like divine connection so definitely thank you I want to add to that definition outside of the religious aspect for me um being adult Muslim woman means you're you're functioning in a manner that you also instead of knowing that God is watching you believe that your ancestors are also watching you know and they're Mm -hmm. pleased with your with your behavior because they know you they know you and they've been there in this life and in the next your right. children, your family, everyone is proud of who you've become because you're living in your truth. And that truth is something that's pure, is something that's wholesome, and it's something that offers an energy that's addictive. So people mm. smile when they come around you and they look forward to seeing you and you look forward to offering whatever it is you have because you're living in your truth, your dopeness. Yeah. yeah, and that's true. And you know, when we come across people like that, it's like you said, that energy, it's magnetic. That's mm-hmm. super powerful. Well, I wanted to ask you a question as we dive into this que- this topic surrounding love, um, being in love, what it means to us as women that are on our own journey, our own personal journey of excellence. First of all, let's break this word down, love. How would you define it? How would you define the word love? Hmm. So for me, I would define love as it's real-time work. It, this this is an action that nourishes you, but this is all the time and this is real-time. It's not something that's temporary that you only experience on holidays or, you know, those special times that you put aside like Valentine's Day or anniversaries yeah. or, you know, Lover's Day, whatever that is. This is an all-the-time, real-time thing that you are putting work in, just like you would with something that you invest in at your job. You know that you have to put all your tools into this thing to make sure that it is an investment that not only reaps benefits, but also that you are investing in and putting your real hard work into. So for Mm. me, it's both real-time work. Real-time work, an action verb. So something that you actually actually have to do. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. really, um, yeah, that's really insightful. And I know I've, I've heard that definition around and you know um it definitely it makes us think and kind of change our even perception because sometimes we think love is just something that happens to us <laughs> you yeah. know like we're just sitting, you know we're just sitting here just happens to us but you're right oh, no. it's intentional it's an intentional thing yeah yeah for sure for sure so you know as i mentioned when i introduced you you know knowing you just for a little bit more than 10 years you know i've seen um, you in so many different spaces and places. And, but now, I mean, I just see you exuding a type of energy, um, and a type of nor and a type of light that, like you mentioned, that energy that's really magnetic, that, that seems really contagious. Um, and I know we have some reasons for that, which we'll get into a little bit later, (laughs) but I want to know just from your perspective, what typically does happen to a woman when she falls in love? So for me, I I usually 
change that phrase to instead of falling, mm. I stand in love. This is a standing. Oh. It's a thing where mm. when a woman falls in love, she gains her bearing, you know. And yeah. when you gain your bearing, you're finding your position in life or in a particular situation where you know where you fit. You know what you have to offer and you're standing because you need to be nourished. You need to be sustained. And it's a thing that when a woman finds that, she stands in a way that is affirmative. You know, mm-hmm. it's a thing that's yeah. nourishing to herself and to everyone around her. She's free to trust her thoughts and also be a part of herself. And she's amazed by her own bravery. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been taught and conditioned in a way that being brave is not usually related to a woman being in love. You know, mm. it usually is something that's related to a woman being hurt. Wow. Where you have to be brave enough to stay with your man after he does this thing or he hurts you in this way, or you got to be brave enough to be with this broke dude, or you got to wow. be brave enough to believe. But the reality is, is why is that our definition that we subscribe to? You know, yeah. for me, when I'm standing in love, I'm being brave enough to be vulnerable in a way that is what I believe to be vulnerability that results in happiness. It's not mm. something that results in pain and sadness. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, that's that's really powerful. I actually haven't heard it stated that way in a sense of when we look at what bravery is and that it does take a lot of bravery to actually be in love and to trust love and to trust. Um, so speak to me a little bit more in regards to just us as a culture. We're talking about Black Muslim women with all of um, kind of what comes with that and um, some of the baggage we may carry or just some of the things that we are even used to seeing within our own communities. Speak to me a little bit about a woman's ability to kind of move past that. Like how you know what are some tools that she could tap into within her own self within our own selves to kind of move past it so that we can stand in love right so I can only speak for myself and I can give you specific examples of what I've done you know that I can say reaped immediate benefits you know and mm-hmm. one of those one of those first things was being very honest and in, in your dua we often yes. have been taught that this is what you say in a dua when you want this, and this is what the, the prayer is for money, or this is what the prayer is for this thing. When in reality, if you believe that Allah is your creator, why are you not speaking to him in your own language? You know? So for me, when I would get up for Tuhajud, I would be very specific. Allah, I'm very sad about this thing. How can I change this? Allah, if this is a thing you don't want from me, remove it from me completely. And if I believe in Allah, I trust that that will happen, you know? Then um, yeah. the other thing was two two books that for me were really powerful, and those were the Four Agreements and the the Five Love Languages. Okay. And so um, the Four Agreements is a book by a man named Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh huh. And the Four Agreements basically the first one is to be impeccable with your word. Okay. Second is don't take anything personally, and then three is don't make assumptions. And then mm-hmm. finally, four is always do your best. Mm. When I when I started to really try and engage those principles in my life, it changed my communication. You know, it changed mm-hmm. how I even viewed this idea of what does it mean for Yasmin to stand in love? Not the idea of I'm just a black woman who might find this great guy and I want to be like everybody else. I want to know what does this mean for me? You know, so what words yeah. do I need to say in order to be impeccable with my words? 
Am I making assumptions when I don't communicate clearly that these are my needs as opposed to making assumptions that could lead to problems, you know, later on? Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, is the five love languages. That's a book. Um, the author's name is Gay- Gary Chapman. Yeah. And that particular, yeah, exactly. The um, five love languages. The first one is words of affirmation. The second yeah. is gift. Three is acts of service. Four is quality time. And five is physical touch. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important for women and for anyone who is interested in finding love to actually understand what your love language is alone outside of anyone else. Right. Because we've been conditioned in a way that we act in a way that we are trying to learn someone else's love language and make that translate into our own. Yep. There you go. So we yeah. find ourselves very disappointed and very unhappy that yeah. we don't like the results. But the reality is, how could you like the results of someone else's language when you haven't, you're not speaking in your own language, you know? Right. So for yeah. me, I, I really paid attention to that, you know, and some of my healing time that I paid attention to finding out what do I actually really like that doesn't have anything to do with anyone else? Like, what do I like? How do I like to be praised? How do I like to be spoken to? How do I like to be touched? Or, mm. you know, have I been impeccable with my words for years? Or am I a person that says things that don't come true? You know, or do I believe in myself and my own words in order to do my best all the time to be, you know, consistent and, um, a genuine person to myself first. Wow. Wow. So that, so you went on this process and you did it solo. You did this on your own to make sure that you were clear about and I, what you need. Is yeah. that, yeah. That's that exactly was- what I did. It, it, it took me, honestly, I would say realistically, it took about two and a half years after, really? after, after my divorce, I had met with an elder, um, yeah. professor, and the director of a school called Aquabin Institute in Atlanta, Baba Baruti. We met, you know, he knew me and my ex-husband and everyone was very sad about our, us breaking up and everything like that. But he was the first person to tell me he understood and he supported me in my process. And he told me, you know, you need to take at least a year or no longer than three years to heal and shed yourself of everything that this relationship produced that was negative. Mm. And that was very powerful for me because honestly, we don't think about the baggage that we take on to relationships and friendships and the community. You know, we become these people that are offering this regurgitated information and regurgitated behavior, really, that we've picked up in these relationships. And the reality is, is that's not healthy, you know? So it was very hard for me during that time to sit and look like, wow, I'm actually kind of toxic in that way, or I'm actually kind of burned in that way and I need to fix that if I'm going to be happy for myself first but if I ever plan to stand in love again after my divorce yeah yeah kind of hit coming from that place of brokenness and that's you know it's really interesting you know as a you know the woman that's been through divorce myself and you know not really you know I didn't have necessarily that enlightening experience like you did um it didn't maybe necessarily follow that type of path but you know it's interesting because we don't get enough of um we don't have enough of that narrative of that advice of that insight within our own communities of like really taking that healing time, the importance of really tapping into yourself. Like, you know, it kind of sounds like a cliche thing, but then we're just really used to kind of like 
going from one to the next kind of struggle we're used to struggle but that's that's Mm. a result that's a result of enslavement in my opinion you know african african people in this particular united states suffer from trauma and that trauma it relates directly to slavery because our relationships were not honored they weren't sacred it was not something that you could feel happy about to know that a slave master could possibly have sex with your wife or even your husband really because there was also homosexuality as well or that the baby would be taken away how do you build a family in that type of environment and Mm. so a a lot of people don't really pay attention to that you know i remember taking a course with um, another local family called um warrior healer builders conference by the mazimoyo here in atlanta and that particular conference, I remember talking to them and they were just talking about how there's so many aspects of that trauma that we have in our lives that we don't pay attention to. Mm-hmm. One of those things is not trusting each other. Yes. We, automatically, we automatically are looking for the pain and looking for the right. suffering to be right. the reality of what we think is the stamp to appro- approval to say this person really loves me if mm. they hurt me. You know what I mean? And that to me is a, is a symptom of trauma. That's not a symptom of happy love that's pure and genuine, you know? Right. So you have to shed yourself for that stuff and start believing that when you shed, you can actually be provided with some good examples if you're asking God for that, however you ask for it. But for me, what I did very specifically was I affirmed that I need elders. I need sisters. I need examples. And I was very clear about that. I put myself out there and I started to receive it. And I'm very grateful to have received some good examples. But for a minute, I didn't. I can't say it was all blissful, you know. Right. I went through a space where I was very upset. Like, why is nobody checking for me? Nobody cares that I'm sad and divorced and crying and and wow. single now I've joined the single yeah. the sisters again you know but that's just, that's a space of trauma as well you know so I had to pull myself out of that and realize that I had to take I had to take control of the narrative of my life because no one else was going to write my story except me because I want I know how I wanted to end you know and how right. I want to go so I had to be uh, intentional about that story Wow. Wow. Well, that's, that was, that, that was heavy. (laughs) That was heavy, but no, a necessary conversation that I'm glad that we're having. But, you know, as we talk about, you know, all of these things that we need to kind of cultivate to get to a space where we can actually welcome love into our lives. And like you said, pure love, could you share with us, you know, I mean, we've we've got to lead up to this climax of (laughs) Yeah, we want to really hear, I want to hear, excuse me, um, (laughs) the story, what I see exuding, the light, the love, what I see exuding just from photos. And, you know, I speak of, you know, I speak to this because I'm really clear about it, is that there's an energy, there's an energy that's kind of surrounding you, that's surrounding your spouse, that's surrounding your mate. Um, that's kind of just exuding because it's extremely like magnetic and it just makes me want to be like, okay, what's going on? I'm sure you've gotten that question a lot. Like what's going on? So the platform is yours. Let's hear, tell us your love story. All right, cool. So I have to admit that I, this is, this question is a little sensitive for me, you know, because I I know that when it comes to social media and any public, you know, relationships, and I mean, a, you know, display of relationships, it can be dangerous for certain people, you know, because some people are looking for ways to mm. harm people and harm their love because they don't have it and they're jealous of it or they're yes. Yes. wanted to be a toxic thing. And 
my past relationship, a contrast, you know, between what I'm ex- going through now, I had a very public relationship. Everybody was like, oh my God, this is so beautiful and this is so yeah. lovely. But they had no idea what I was experiencing. I was very unhappy, you know? Oh. So I can say now that I'm not very unhappy. Yeah. Everything that you see is me. I'm very happy. I'm in a good space. But a lot of that came from me and my intentions and meeting a person who was in the same space. He is in the same space. So... Here's a story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> get into it. Let's get into it. All right. We, um, <laughs> I've, known him, I've known him for maybe about 15 years. Mm-hmm. And when we met, you know, all the 12 years ago, we were married to other people, you know, at the time. And so I didn't think much of him, you know, but the thing I did think of him that was funny to me was when we did interact, uh, even on the low basis that we did I honestly thought what he was what I would call a granola yeah wow (laughs) my definition of a granola hoe is these community brothers that are just like leeches in the community you know they're just there all the time they're giving all these you know Dr. Umar phrases and they that's why they're granola yeah they're they're gonna be eating kale you know they're gonna tell you about your third eye and all that stuff and at the end of the day they are not offering much to the community you know and that was my assumption to him I never gave him the time of day and we were also married but even as a friend I wasn't feeling him right so maybe a, a while ago um my best friend at the time, she had been on this vegan kick, you know, and she asked me to roll with her to a vegan spot. You know, people mm-hmm. always think because you're vegan, you know every spot in the city and you know, like, you know, all the details about the vegan spot. Yeah. So she, I went with her to the spot and I was telling her I didn't want to come inside, you know, because it was, um, I was, wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling like my dad. I had just still going through my healing that I talked about earlier and I, I wasn't in the best state. I was actually in a space of what I would call like a revenge space. Mm. So I want to go in, but I, I did. I ended up going in because she kept texting me like, please come inside. You know, I need, I don't want to be in here by myself. I'm waiting for my food. And I finally went in. And as I go in at the door, this brother is there. Mm. I hadn't seen him probably for maybe like six years before that. Um, and so I see him and he says, oh, wow, I never saw your hair before. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking of what is the most rude thing I could say to this man to keep him from talking to me? So wow. I responded with congratulations. Okay. Mm. And he okay. flushed out laughed, and I was super mad that he's laughing, you know, because I'm feeling like I wanted to hurt your feelings and you shouldn't be laughing, you know. But I, anyway, so I pass him up. I go inside to the um, my friend, you know, to find her inside. And she she's like, who is that man behind you? Because he almost fell when he came in. And I'm like, girl, I don't care about that. I'm just trying to leave. I don't want to talk to anyone. I told you I didn't want to be here and all that. And she's not responding. And I realized this because he was standing behind me at the time. Hmm. So he's standing back there. I feel like the whole restaurant is looking at me, super nervous and very uncomfortable. And then, um, I turn around and he's looking at me and he's like, wow, it's been a long time. I haven't seen you. Like, you look good. And wow. is there, and he's like, is there any way we could talk sometime outside of the restaurant? And I'm like, nah, I don't talk to people, you know. And he's like, well, maybe we could hang out sometime. And I'm like, yeah, I don't hang out either. You know, I'm just giving like real rough answers. And so yeah. 
he finally laughs and he's like, well, maybe, you know, we could just meet up and you don't have to talk. You could just listen. You know, I can invite some friends and we can have a real chill time because you look like you need a break, you know, it's time to have some fun. And so I was like, whatever, you know, so we're standing there and it's total silence. It's weird. And then he asks me, um, he sees that I'm hesitating for giving him my number because he's he asked for it. So then he says, you know, is maybe I still have your number from years ago. And he's like, let me check. And he grabs his phone. He calls my number and my phone's ringing. So I'm actually really pissed off that this wow. dude has my phone number after yeah. all these years. I'm like, why do you still have my number? <laughs> and so he had it. And um, after it took about maybe two weeks that he had been like texting me and calling me and I, I wasn't answering, you know, I was just like, not answering intentionally because I was afraid. Like I was like, I don't have time to be going through this process with this granola hole. You know, I mean, oh. don't even have time for nobody, but definitely not no granola hole. You know. Yeah. So then, anyway, he he ends up um, he he keeps calling. Like he doesn't give up. And this was during Ramadan at the time. So there was one night where I was heading to Ramadan uh, iftar, where I was cooking for a community event and. It was raining like real bad and everybody that knows me knows i'm very afraid of thunder like it's always been a thing since i've been small i'm, I'm like definitely afraid of it so i was thinking to myself at this after i had been so rude i also that's not me genuinely mm-hmm. like i'm not a, i'm not a rude person so i said let me just text this dude back and at least you know just offer some type of response and i said you know i'm is it okay if i call you so I called and he talked me through, you know, we were talking and it was just like super relaxing and calming. And I started to realize like, wow, this is, this is good. Yeah. You know, Cause I'm just in a conversation on the way to an car, but it's, it's raining outside and I'm so afraid of thunder, but right now I'm not even afraid. I'm driving like, I'm not afraid of thunder, you know? Wow. So I, I took that as a sign from Allah because I have been asking Allah for very specific things. And I trust that Allah is listening all the time and will answer my prayers because I'm I'm a servant that believes in my Lord, you know. So I, I started to accept that maybe Allah is actually sending you something that you've been asking for and you deserve this. So relax, mm-hmm. relax mm-hmm. and stop being so uptight. So anyway, I agreed to um, after we talked a couple of days, I agreed to meet him, you know, meet up with him probably about two weeks later or so. And we met up at a restaurant and I I, I used to laugh so hard because I realized at that moment I was a little bit cocky. I never thought I was cocky, but I walked up to the table and he didn't look up. I was late. I was like, like 30 minutes late. And he was uh-huh. still there. He didn't look up at me at all. And I was like, well, how dare he not look up at me? Like, you know, yeah, after yeah. so hard and all that. But anyway, we sat and talked and had this whole conversation. It was like super relaxing and great, you know, insightful and all that. And then we stayed there until the restaurant closed. And ever since wow. then, it's been really, 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 really dope. It's been nice and it's been respectful. He's been very 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 supportive and respectful of my my journey and i've been respectful of his as well it's been good yeah wow um yeah so i mean that (laughs) (laughs) because it's a it's a really beautiful story you know when you were talking it just really had me thinking about some of the things that i've always thought was love which was you know how 
you know, we have that notion of if you feel butterflies and you feel like the flutter and what kind of is con- the anxiety when you yes. meet someone, like that's the, the spark, that's the one. <laughs> but it's it's really powerful that you spoke to that you felt tranquility, you felt peace, you felt stillness, you felt calm. Mm. I mean, that is, it, is that different from like the experiences you've had in the past? Has it Oh man, it's big, big, big difference. You know, it's and that's the thing that when I talked earlier about about really understanding your love language, you know, because I had gotten so used to understanding someone else's love language. When I finally understood my own, I realized how much of a difference it had been that I was Mm -hmm. living someone else's love language. You know, I love to be able to call my man and he talks and I just relax. It's like yeah. everything that happened at the office, everything that happened anywhere else is just not even in my mind right now. He takes me away from that. And I can't say that I honestly experienced that in my last relationship, but I have to say a lot of that had to do with me. Right. You know, it wasn't necessarily my mate, you know, because we didn't have a terrible relationship, but I had to realize that a lot of that had to do with my toxic behavior and my lack of ability to understand my own love language and to be able to, to relay that to him so that he could give me what I was asking for and I could do the same for him, you know. So although it's yeah. a big difference, it's also at the same time not a big difference because it was a bad person. It was me and the process and the season I was with my healing when we wow. were together. Yeah, that that right there, yes, <laughs> that right there is, no, we talked about that in a prior um, podcast and it's just about ownership. And I think, how can you claim any path of excellence? How can you claim of reaching any type of authenticity if we're not owning our own stuff? And I just, yeah. I just, super I mean I really appreciate when you know we as women we really take a really deep look into ourselves and really kind of analyze that some of the things that do happen in the relationships good bad not whatever you know we we have we have some we have to take some uh looks we have to look at it from within ourselves you know we have to look at ourselves we have to look at what part we played in it and um that's just extremely like insightful for I think a lot of women that are navigating relationships the other, but thing, I also, the other yeah. thing before we continue I wanted to make sure that as you were talking I was thinking about my fear that caused my my last mate to not be able to receive me in the way that I thought that was the best you know and to be able to offer it because I, I have felt like I have been going through years and years of being this woman that sacrificed to prepare men for other women you know yeah and it's like, how long can you go through that till you become this bitter, rough person? You know, that was mm-hmm. like, damn, I went through all of this brokenness with you and I went through having the lights off and cussing mm. and arguing wow. and all that and now, yeah. and now I'm preparing you for being this great communicator and this person who, you know, yeah. whipped whip shea butter for the woman and all that crap, you know what I mean? <laughs> You yeah. know, and so I started, I, started, I started to ask a lot that I don't want to be that person no more. Like, let me be a receiver. You know, I want to be the person who receives now because I've been, I've been sacrificed for too long and I'm no, I'm no longer willing to be the person who sacrificed to prepare myself for someone so that they can be better for someone else, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, re- I, I believe that the, the brother I'm in a relationship with now had experienced something very similar. So when we met, 
We were not at all interested in sacrificing anything that had to do with pain. We were very much interested in investment, you know, and that investment has to do with a relationship in ourselves as well. So I thought that was important to add that because that's a part of my love story that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Don't come from a place of pain. And so is there, I guess as we kind of move along with this story, I'm just wondering what are some insight, I mean, you provided a lot of insight thus far, but what is some advice for a lot of us, a lot of us as women, we're kind of navigating, some of us are in relationships, some of us are getting out of relationships, some of us are really just trying to figure this stuff out, start over again. And I mean, how do we navigate that? What are some steps we should take? Right. So for me, I would say um, the one of the first most important things is to tell yourself the truth about your real needs and be prepared to stand firm in your truth by yourself first. And, okay. then, and then after that, trust yourself. Trust yourself mm-hmm. because you know you better than anyone else. You know, mm-hmm. anyone could tell you, oh, Sabria, you're so great and you're such a great speaker and all that. But you know that I get nervous when I get in front of crowds. It's so I need to right. work on this thing. So there trust you yourself. Trust yourself and trust that if you were like a woman like me who honestly mm-hmm. believed that there was some marriage committee that was waiting and looking for all these people for you and they were going to have all these choices for you, this great Muslim woman, trust that you are the person who's in charge of your narrative. If, mm. if there's something you want, you're gonna be ha- you're gonna have to be the person who is actively seeking it and working towards it, you know. Mm. And then after that, I would I would say you need to be very honest with yourself because sometimes when we're going through that process, we're not checking in with ourselves along the way to make sure that's what we really want. Because just like everybody's exuding on these pictures that I have, yeah. fine. Maybe they think that I have something that I don't, you know what I mean? And, and they start feeding this information into me that's not really real, but I'm so caught up into pleasing them that I'm wanting to give them back what they're actually saying to me when it's a lie. It's not what I really am experiencing, you know? Wow. Wow. So, so I, I would do those things. And then at the end of that, check in with yourself consistently. You know, oftentimes we become afraid that if we found something that's really amazing, that is scary to check in if we have to say maybe this is not exactly the way it started out what can I is this going to be the way that I wanted it to be you know or is this going to be something that only lasted for a short season know Mm -hmm. that if Allah sends you something and the the season ends that's the way it was supposed to be and that's good that's enough you don't have to be embarrassed you don't have to worry you don't have to you know be scared about what everybody else thinks and all of that kind of stuff I, I know that I believe in my success, but I also am very aware of what my failure looks like. And the failure is not an end. It's not an, It's not the end of me. I know that that failure could be a thing that helps me get stronger for the next process. So I trust an end of things. If, for instance, this relationship doesn't work out, I don't look at that as a, a failure to Yasmin. I just look at that as an end to a season that Allah had for me. And I trust that the process is going to lead me to something better. You know, I think that um, we've been taught so much that vulnerability when it comes to love has to relate to pain. I said mm-hmm. something about that earlier, you know, but I don't agree with that. I don't think that in relationships you have to go through pain in order to really experience happiness. And I, I would say my, one of my pieces of advice is to let go of this idea that vulnerability 
in any way, especially as it relates to love in your heart, has to be painful. It could be something that is good, you know, and that's been part of my process to where I'd sit sometimes like, wow, I'm not having arguments. Like, I'm actually good. I'm not having any issues. And this person trusts me and I can trust them too, you know? Right. right. I think that's a big, big, big part of it. And I would I would say just trust the process and, and know that Allah has good for you. You know, yeah. if you believe yeah. in, if you believe in God and whatever you call God, just know that if you honestly believe you believe in God and the unseen, know that all those things are working for you and you have a part in making sure they work to the best of your success. You yeah. are you are in charge of that process. It doesn't have to be something that just happens haphazardly. Like you were saying in the beginning, we just think that love just shows up and it's this yeah. wonderful person in our living room. Like, no, nah, what part did you play? And making sure that person was something pleasing to you. You know, be intentional and be active in the process. Mm. And mm. believe that you deserve good. We deserve good. We don't have to deserve, you know, the leftovers. We don't have to <laughs> <laughs> the, left, the scraps. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, I, I mean to that. Um, I mean. <laughs> but, you know, I just want to speak to this really quickly before we wrap up our, our show here today. But, you know, you've kind of started over, right? You've started over. You're, um, you've, you've pretty much, right? like you said, you have a 20-year-old son. You've raised a son. You're in a different, very different phase in your life. Um, and that's really scary because I know you mentioned fear earlier. And I wanted to just kind of come back to that because I think that's a lot of place in the conversations that I have with women. Um, that are either maybe divorced, going through a divorce, really stuck, trying to figure it out, maybe in their marriage, but trying to like, you know, kind of reignite it, um, feeling really stuck and feeling really fearful to move. And there's a lot of things we tell ourselves, like, I don't, um, you know, I don't, I can't start over. I'm too old. I got too many kids. Nobody wants a divorced woman, you know, et cetera, et cetera. How do we move past that thinking? Like, how do we get past that? First, I would say that, that I always put this acronym, fear is the false evidence of fearing real. That's that's actually a real thing. Like when, mm. you, when you really break down what your fear is based on, you have to break it down like piece by piece. Be very intentional and say, what am I actually afraid of? What is the violation yeah. and what is the danger here? So for me, I can give you a very clear example that some of my fears were somebody's not going to want a person who's been divorced. Right. Somebody's not going to want a person who has been publicly divorced, you know, mm. and I have to sit down and think of those two things like, OK, if there's a person who doesn't want me that's divorced, there is somebody that actually might. So am I right. going to put more energy into the people who don't or am I going to put myself into a situation where I'm able to receive a person who will? You know what I mean? And there are people that will. There's plenty of people who will because just like the mate that I have now, some people don't want a person who's never experienced all of that crap that you have to go right. through to get to this point that of enlightenment, basically. You know right. what I mean? And then the other thing I would say is heal broken relationships that you have that are not intimately uh, relationships with men, you know, or women. Okay. If, if that's your family or if that is your friends, you know, or the, yeah. that conversation you've been wanting to have and all that stuff. Because what happens is when you do that, you your heart becomes strong enough to be able to withstand something different, you know? Mm -hmm. 
and it, it, it's not it's not a, it's not in a place where it was before it was so broken where it's being pulled and uh, pulled in all these different directions because of all this hurt you have this unfinished business everywhere mm. you know mm. what I mean so yeah. I, 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 oftentimes people are not thinking about that but you got to think how happy someone is who has no grudges or no harms and no karma that's waiting to right. bite them you know what I mean right. and right. I, honestly I keep going back to prayer it's very important yeah. that you trust that what you are praying for is going to ears that hear you and that are listening for you to pray and yeah. I, can't, I can't think of the exact verse, but I know that there's a verse that talks about a lot is waiting to live, to hear you and running to you. Right. You come to right. him walking, he's coming to you running. Like right. you gotta right. think. If, imagine if you had a friend that's so eager like that to love you. You know? Yeah, yeah. If you have yeah. a person or you have God who's waiting to bless you in that way. Like trust and believe that everything that you're asking for is waiting to rush to you. You know, and yeah. and then when it comes to you, be ready to receive it. Because oftentimes as women, we got this thing where we like, things are too good right now. Something got to be wrong right. with this. Right. You know, so and that's, that's not healthy. <laughs> it's, not it, healthy. It's, it's not healthy. So it's that's not healthy. Yeah, yeah, it's not. You're right. It's not healthy. And what does that say? Like you said about that relationship, that true, sincere relationship that we have with our creator yeah. and that opinion that we have our, uh, of our creator. And I always peg the, you know, kind of have it on my wall. I am as my servant thinks of I am, you know, and that, to me that, that, you know, that's, that's, you know, we, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, our creator is telling us that he is as we think we are, uh, um, that uh, what we think of him. So to me, I mean, I think that like back with my own positive affirmations and things like that is like, if I'm thinking that me, myself, I even apply that. If I, if I don't think I'm great, that's, then I'm not going to be great. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, yeah. you know, so, I mean, it's such a, mashallah, it's, it's interesting because I always say there's so many lessons in our, in our deen and our traditions. And it's almost like they're kind of being pegged by, you know, modern day motivators. And, you know, we talk about self affirmations and vision boards, but I'm like, all these are things that we see already in our traditions which is amazing you know um just yeah. confirmations of what we should be doing and how we should be living but um but yeah so i um i'm i'm feeling really inspired and i'm inspired Very by nice. your story and um it is my prayer my sincere prayer that um God protects you Amen. and that um, he allows you to continue to walk on your path of excellence Amen. and love Amen. and that he cultivates your heart and protects your heart as well as the heart of your spouse, of your partner um, and just continues to bless you guys. I mean, I appreciate that because it's important for us to hear those words and say yeah. them out loud you know, absolutely. while we're here and we're alive and we're able to do something mm -hmm. about our words. So I appreciate that. I appreciate your support. I appreciate what you're yeah. doing. And anybody who sees my pictures know that I'm asking for your prayers and no, yep. no drama. <laughs> Inshallah. Yes. Prayers, prayers, <laughs> yeah, prayers and good thoughts. Inshallah coming your way. But I know that um, everybody supports. They love you. You only exude excellence in the community. You've done so many good things. So I definitely just appreciate you being here. You being vulnerable. You sharing your story. And I know that your vulnerability is only going to help. Um, others being able to walk in their own oh, truth so i appreciate you thank you <laughs> Sis, i appreciate you too and i wish you the best of luck with the dope muslim woman podcast this is your yes. project 
Thank you so much. And with that said, I mean, and with that said, from Yasmin, this has been our show. It's been amazing. We want to continue this conversation off um, online. Uh, We have a private Facebook group um, called the Dope Muslim Woman Podcast. It is for women only where we can kind of sort of discuss these topics. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. Please follow us to see when our latest episodes are dropping. But you have to make sure you subscribe and like on our streaming platforms we're on spotify apple breaker radio public we're on so many so definitely thank you guys for being with us thank you to yasmin for being an amazing guest that is it that that is our show assalamualaikum see you next time (laughs)